influence that our mothers have over us. Is that not true? When you hear the stories that were just shared just a few minutes ago, and Carl sharing about how his mom is the loudest. You go, girl. Because my daughter struggles with that with me for sure. I am definitely the loudest. You hear the girls up here, the Retier girls or the Hurley girls sharing about their mom and how proud they are. And that's how we all feel most of the time about our moms, for sure. You know, I want you to turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, if you would, please. And this is where we're going to take our text. I don't think uh, Jackson knew that this is what I was going to be talking about when he shared this this morning. But we are going to be talking about Timothy and his mom and his grandmother. But there was a man by the name of Lord Shaftesbury who said, Give me a generation of Christian mothers whose hearts are committed to the Lord, and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Why? Because moms really are the backbone in many ways of what we believe Christianity to be. No doubt about it. In 2 Timothy, we read about a guy by the name of Timothy. And, you know, you think about somebody making it into the Bible and why, how, how did Timothy make it into the Bible? Well, in Philippians 2.20, you don't need to turn there. The Apostle Paul makes the following statement about Timothy when he says, I have no one else like him. And then he says it again in Acts 16, 2, the brothers of Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. What was it that caused Paul and Luke and the brothers of Lystra and Iconium to make such a commendable statement? What was it that, that did this? And the answer we find is in what we're about to read here in Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 5, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, or verse 2 actually, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. And this is it right here. Here's why Paul spoke so well of him. Here's why the church at Iconium spoke so well of Timothy. It was this. You know, if I was to make it into the Bible, if I was to actually be put into the Bible and the Bible was, God decided someday to rewrite the Bible. I would hope that I would somehow make it in there and that behind Alan Gower, the statement came, he was a man of sincere faith. Probably more than anything else that I could think of. You know, I love what they say about Abraham. He was a man of faith. I love what they say about David, a man after God's own heart and the other things that they talk about, other men and what have you, and how Noah was a perseverer and how he gave his life for 120 years to build an ark. But I want to be a man of sincere faith, not just faith, but sincere faith. And this word translated sincere 
comes from the same Greek word that we get our English word hypocrite from, only it's the opposite. The root word is from that word hypocrite, but the opposite, and it means to be undisguised, to be without hypocrisy, to be genuine, to be sincere, to be real, without pretense or deceit. It means it is real, it's true, it's genuine. And you know, one of the things I know to be true of kids is they see what is true and what is real and what is genuine. And Timothy saw that. He saw that in his mom. And his mom saw that in her mom, Lois. It walks right down the line, one right after the other. Why kids see through the facades? They see what's real. They see what's fake. They see the things that we're showing them. And we got to ask ourselves right now today, and it's, it's a simple lesson. There's not a whole lot to it. There's not a lot of things that I want you to get out of this other than really what it means to have a sincere faith. But what are we showing them? Are we showing them a sincere faith the same way Lois and Eunice did? It's something in Timothy that was deep. And it was lasting. You know, as you saw these kids up here, you hope that what they share is deep and lasting. And it doesn't just come and go and fade. And you hope that your kids someday, 20 years down the road, say, what you taught me. Not about how to cook. Not about how to clean. But how to have a sincere faith is what has stuck with me. Through all the good, through all the bad, through all the challenges, through whatever it is that we face in life. You know, Chuck Swindoll says, if you were blessed with a good mother, you will reap the benefits the rest of your days. If your mother neglected your needs and failed to support your dad, unfortunately, much of what you suffered cannot be erased for good or ill. A mother's mark is permanent. What a challenging statement. What a bummer in some ways, but what a truth this is for sure. Someone also said, mothers write on the hearts of their children what the rough hand of the world cannot erase. You know, a guy by the name of John Quincy Adams said about his mom, all that I am, my mother made me. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And Dwight Moody, Dwight Moody, a famous preacher back in the 1800s said, all that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. You know, Eunice and Lois showed Timothy something that was real, something that was true, something that was noble, something that had teeth in it, was tangible. Timothy could see it. So moms, what do you want to show your kids? But not just moms, even though this is Mother's Day, dads, what do we want to show our kids? And even further along with that, why? Because it takes a village to raise a child in many ways. Body, what do we want to show our kids? I knew in my lesson this was going to happen today. I woke up this morning and I said, I guarantee that's going to go off for sure. 
and you can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to preach over it as loud as I can. Honestly, what are we going to do about it? I hope that if we do one thing and one thing only, that we show them what it means to have a sincere faith in God. Above all else. And where does that sincere faith come from? Where do we get it? Does it just automatically happen? Well, the risk of sounding cliche, just ignore it. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've preached with crazier things going on than that. I'm absolutely sure in my 20 years as a minister. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14, we see exactly where. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known, get this, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make your wise, make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I love what Michael Schuster shared this morning. Everything I did had a Scripture with it. What's wrong with that? That's the good stuff right there. You're going through a hard time. Here's the scripture. You're going through something just happened that's great. Don't take honors for it. Give it to God. Here's the scripture about it. You're not getting along with your sister or brother. Here's the scripture about it. You're not getting along with people at school. Here's the scripture about it. Your teacher's not fair. Here's the scripture about that too. Why? Because God thought about it all long before we ever got here. Bind it on their heart. Write it on the doorpost. Put it up there. You know, Deuteronomy 4, 9, just listen for a minute, reminds us of our responsibility to teach our children the truth of Scripture the same way it's obvious that Lois and Eunice did with her daughter and her son. Only be careful in verse 9 and watch yourselves closely. So that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your children after that. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said, Assemble the people before me to hear my words. So that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land. And may teach them to their children. You know, there's a reason why. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Because every scripture in there talks about God's word. Why not make that chapter the most important chapter in the Bible, the longest? The one that has what we need for everything possible. Go to Psalm 119, read about it, study it, look at it, and then use it the way these moms used it. For their children. A sincere faith. One that's deliberate and that's intentional. You know, the Hebrew word translated teach suggests that we repeat again and again and again. 
And it takes it even further by saying this task is to be done at home. When we teach and moms teach, it's not one time, it's again and again and again. With your words, with your life, with the way that you live. Solomon states in Proverbs 6.20, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And again in Proverbs 22.6, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. You know, that word old is subjective, isn't it? What's old? Dennis doesn't think old is what his age is right now. So it's got to be older than 60, whatever it is. You're welcome. I'm here for you, brother. What's old? One day they're going to remember all the feeding, all the love through God's word that you gave them. Because God's word was your standard. It's where you got your sincere faith from. It's where it comes from. It's where it grows out of. It wells up from that wellspring of life, God's word. Why? Because if you're not in God's word, what are you going to do? How are you going to teach it? Much less, how are you going to live it? Experiences we have come and go. You think about when the towers fell in 2001. That month, I remember having more people in church than I had ever had before. In fact, they did a survey and said that in the United States of America, more people attended church for that month than it ever in the history of the United States of America. Why? Because the Twin Towers just fell and people were like, what are we going to do if it happens to me? Oh my gosh. But as the month waned on, less and less people came. Things come and go. These big, th crazy things happen. But the word never fails. It never ends. It never loses its power. It never loses its zeal. It never loses its fervor. It's the strength. It's the crust. It's the backbone. It's the solid point. It is the cornerstone of where we teach and what we teach and how we teach and what we use to teach our children. Let's ingrate it in our children's hearts, but first, well, first, let's ingrate it in us. Because when the oxygen masks come down in the airplane, they tell you to put it on you first before you put it on your children. Not only do we get our sincere faith from the Word, but I honestly believe that all of us in here can relate to this next point as well. We get it from the challenges we face in our life, do we not? You know, Acts 16.1 reminds us of the difficulty of Timothy and his mom's home life. Why? Because his mother Eunice was a Jew. She was a Jewess. But Timothy's father was a geek, I mean a Greek. And in the Bible and in history, the Greeks were told we're not interested in eternal truth. To believe and follow, they were only interested in hearing and arguing about new ideas. And Acts 17, 21 even states that they spent all their time doing nothing 
but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. And so this was their challenge. This was Eunice and Timothy's challenge. Eunice being married to a non-believer. But what are our challenges in here? What are the things that we face? What are some things that we go through? You know, I, I deal with different situations as a minister every day, it seems like, of challenges that people have. I just lost my job. My children are challenging me with things that are going on in our household. I've got cancer. My mom just died. Challenge after challenge after challenge. And it's going to happen. When we have a group of 300 people, there's going to be a challenge. But how are we going to deal with it? What kind of faith will we have? Will it be one that comes and goes depending on the flavor of the day? Or will it be the one that's sincere, genuine, sweet, long-lasting, deep, committed? So look around this room for a minute. Many of us have stayed Christians for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Compared to Methuselah having to stay committed to God, it's not that long. But it's still a long time. And how are we going to continue to do it? Through a sincere faith that gets us through the challenges that we face. You know, I want to close out here with four illustrations that I think sum up perfectly what we're talking about when it comes to a sincere faith that moms can have for their children. Four scholars were arguing over Bible translations. One said he preferred the King James Version because of its beauty, eloquent Old English. Another said he preferred the American Standard Bible for its literalism, the way it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings of accuracy from the original text. The third man preferred Moffat because of its quaint, penetrating use of words of a phrase that captures the attention of a reader. After giving the issue further thought, a fourth scholar admitted, I have personally preferred my mother's translation. When the other scholars chuckled, he responded, yes, she translated it. She translated each page of the Bible into life. It is the most convincing translation I have ever heard or seen. Out of the French Revolution came a story of a mother who wandered through the woods for three days with her two children trying to survive on roots and leaves. On the third day, she heard some soldiers approaching and quickly hid herself and the children behind some bushes. The sergeant in charge noticed the movement, so he prodded the bushes to see what was stirring behind them. When he saw the starving woman and children, he had compassion on them and immediately gave them a loaf of brown bread. The mother took the bread eagerly broke it into two pieces and gave one piece to each of the two children. The sergeant noted, she has kept none for herself, a soldier asked. Is it because she's not hungry? 
No, the sergeant answered. It is because she is a man. After one of the battles of the Civil War, a chaplain came to see a man who had not much time left to live. He took the young soldier's hand and said, Son, what can I do for you? The boy replied, I want you to kneel down and return thanks for me. An unusual request for someone who is dying. Thanks for what? asked the chaplain. And the soldier said, Thank God for my mother. Thank him that because of her, I am a Christian and am faithful today. What would I do now if I were not a Christian? A woman once wrote the well-known evangelist Justin Smith after an evangelistic campaign to tell him she had been converted as a result of many messages she had heard him speak on and became a Christian through baptism. She said, I believe the Lord wants me to preach the gospel, Brother Smith, but the trouble is that I have 12 children to raise. God help you, woman. What shall I do? She received this letter in reply. My dear lady, I am happy to hear that you have been saved and feel called to preach. But I am even more delighted to know that God has already provided you with a congregation of 12. The new convert got the point. What a responsibility. What a role. What a blessing. I want to encourage. 